0: Searching for clues to discover God's mysterious plan for your family? Then don't change that dial. Join us now in our discussion of the mystery of parenthood. Here are your hosts, Trey and Stephanie Cashin. Good afternoon. This is uh, Trey Cashin. I'm actually with with Thaddeus. Uh, I think one more week, and then we'll we'll have Steph back here. But. Uh
1: and the listeners all say, thank goodness. For me,
0: and maybe Thaddeus and Stephanie need to do the show. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Um, Brazos uh, Valley,
1: Central Texas, how you doing?
0: How are y'all doing? Hey, we're going to begin this uh, with the prayer we always begin with. So in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman And through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of the families in the world, and all the families of the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all of the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you who is life, truth, and love with the Holy Spirit I mean with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray, pray for, for us. us. Saint John Paul II, pray, pray for, for us. us. in The name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
1: So, did you feel this weekend a uh, certain sense of mystery in your your family that wow, it's a mystery that yeah. this kid graduated? I mean, it's
0: hard to believe, you know. I mean the the um, I was just telling somebody. Well, somebody brought in a baby into the office. A, a person needs to work with me, and. uh, a real baby. A real baby, yeah. And so she was, and, you know, four months old, four and a half months old. And, and she was like, they grew up so fast. I said, you have no idea. Sure. I mean, they, they, 22, he turned 22 on Friday. Um, he interviewed today for his first, I, you know, real job, full time job, you know. No so he
1: graduated over the weekend and turned 22.
0: Yeah, 20, turned twenty-two Friday. Graduated Sunday morning. And, first interview. Uh, and first interview Tuesday. That's pretty good a little for little work. A yeah. Well, we'll see how the interview goes. But but the birthday was coming no matter what, and fortunately he did he did everything he needed to to uh, to graduate. So very proud of him. And um, yeah, you know he, it's hard to believe. when We're only a couple of years away from another one graduating, and and uh, just keep going. And then I, I just actually just started going through. It looks to me like there will be a graduation either from high school, from college, or from graduate school, God willing, and everything goes on plan and every all the health and all that, um, like the next maybe six years in a row. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this one, yeah, next year Grayson, the next year Madison from there – and Trevor, the next year, the triplets. Anyway,
1: oh, so Trevor's yeah. going to go to graduate school too.
0: Yeah, he's going. He's going to get his MBA, working full time if it goes well. And I mean, it's meant for people to work full time. So. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so it's a good. It's a good thing, but it is. It's hard to believe that you're that old. We had some, some of Madison's friends over from high school. The some girls, and they were talking. I know the guys. The the daughters. Uh, father pretty well and just asked how he was and he said her his hair's all white you know he just he's getting old and I said you know it's funny you say that I've been reflecting on the fact that my I remember when I got married when Stephanie and I got married and going up to visit my parents in the room after to thank them um on the way out to thank them as i moved the night before it might have been friday night i don't remember but at some point going up and thanking them and, and just thinking to myself man they're old well they're five years younger than i am right now so <laughs> so i said i was telling these girls i said wow man your perspective changes quite a bit you know sure. as time goes by so sure. uh it's a mystery for sure but uh but i'm i'm like i said grateful that, that i made it here and Mm -hmm. and that he's he's done as well as he has Mm -hmm. it's in god's hands now so anyway but we're so we've done one one
1: holy and catholic family and now today it's apostolic apostolic
0: yeah and and i think i think apostolic is um i think it's important i think it's probably of all of them the most challenging Mm -hmm. because of what it means and and that's what we're gonna talk about how, how we do that and kind of point specifically to to um to three things that the church really it's really it's four or two together that the church um calls all of the laity to do, but certainly within the family, within the domestic church, it points us kind of in the direction of in general what we should do. And then we're gonna talk specifically how that would look differently by necessity um, from family to family um, because it's important for each of us to know we can all have the same mission. It's kind of like holiness in, in a sense. We're all called to the same holiness. Um, but how that holiness plays itself out, how it looks from person to person actually will look different. Um, The more united we are with God, the more we're united to the holy of holies, to the one who is holiness himself, the more we become holy. And when we become holy, um, we become more ourselves, which means that we're different from everybody else. That's the great thing about the church. Every, Every saint is actually not like a bunch of, you know, we cut out pictures and they all look the same. They're actually radically different from one another. That's yeah. the beauty of it. It's funny that you know the 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 flip side of that, the evil side of that. If you look at people who disfigure themselves or do do whatever whatever else with 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 them to try to be against the grain, they actually end up looking more and more like the people that they're around. There, yeah. There's left less, less difference. So God's one of variety. God's one of amazingness. God's one that that wants every flower. To be fully as beautiful as it's meant to be, so to speak, to use um, Saint Therese of Lisieux's kind of image of uh, as being the little flower, but um, but each different in their own way, and it's the same way with this. Um,
1: yeah, I was. Um, I'm probably the most intrigued about about this aspect, uh, apostolic, because when you when you hear apostolic in the creed, you think, okay, it's apostolic succession, it's the yeah. It's the patrimony of the church, going all the way back to the apostles and and, and the foundation. And really, so, what now? How is that going to play out in the family? So, I'm interested to hear what you have well, to say today.
0: There, I mean, there certainly there's as you might think there are multiple ways that you can look at a word, and I think the beauty of the Catholic faith is they all have something to be said. I, I apostolic from from the standpoint of it stands on the shoulders of the apostles. I think speaks to the fact that we are um, in line with with the truth as Christ revealed through his apostles. I think um, that part is, again, just us spending time as parents, getting to know our faith, the faith as revealed by Christ through his church, through the apostles, the fullness of which is found in the Catholic Church, and being aware of that and teaching it that's actually not the part of it that i would i mean it certainly is essential to it and and would i'd be remiss not to mention that 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 part of what you know i don't know if there's a the ap, ap, apostolic apostolicity as, as, well you said that good well but but uh but apostolic i think there's that part that you you're you're kind of standing on the shoulder of the giants before you yeah. you're, you're there is a continuity between what we teach as being in line with what what has been revealed before and has been carried forward through the church, um, I think it's important to remember that not, not unlike holiness or, or any of the other ones, that the faith plays itself out in the culture in which it takes place and the time in which it takes place. So the application of what we know to be true, and the way it, um, the way it plays itself out, both in terms of what we're confronting and in terms of what we need to what we need to do to change it. I heard a great. There was a show today. It may have been she, who the lady Longinus Sheila Longinus. I heard her talking, and and it's it's something that I've it actually that's part of why we do the mystery of parenthood, and we talk in the theology of the body and all those things. She she had. I think Dr. Robert George. I think he's yep. from Princeton. From Princeton, and I think he does some at Harvard too. But but he was talking about something that I've I've said. You know, there are no new lies. Yeah. <laughs> there are, there are only new manifestations of the lies. And so I've always said that the, that the theology of the body from 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 uh, John Paul II came at the perfect time because it was just the beginning of this kind of bearing fruit or the bad fruit of, of not non-truths of, Mm -hmm. of lies. And so it's when we can see the truth about, okay, from a Catholic perspective, because of the incarnation, we've talked about this before because of the incarnation, we know that body, blood and soul are what makes a human, a human. This fact that the separation of a soul from a body is actually death that that's not the way that God intended. He came to give us life and in fact a resurrected body when Christ comes again, we're going to be reunited. We're going to be bodily creatures because that's what it means to be human. Right. From the very big well not from the very beginning, certainly from the 2nd century, you find Gnostics who who begin to separate the body from the soul, saying that the we're we're to be human means we're souls that are somewhat entrapped by their body they're kind of stuck in this body and the whole of life is to try to get rid to rid ourselves of the body that's not the truth what i'm saying is is that you know just like the truth goes through that we believe they fought back then that no jesus did that's why you hear saint john in his gospel making it clear that they were afraid he was a ghost they talked of him as a ghost but then he would say now feed me you know do you have any fish here or he would cook himself and eat with them to show that he was indeed that to be human the his the human nature that he shares with us is really to be this body blood soul unity right you know to be to be matter and spirit that are truly united well every fallacy that happens today most every one of them, I, I would argue probably all of them in some way, shape, or form, that divorces the body from the soul is this lie that started 1,900 years ago <laughs> that has been fought forever that's just taking on new forms today. I mean, um, transgender, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a man trapped in a woman's body or I'm a woman trapped in a man's body is a Gnostic way of thinking that somehow there's a part of me that is somehow trapped in something bad, which happens to be my body and that, that we need to do everything we can to get out of it is it's, it's the same lie. It's not, there's nothing new there. So the same answer is, is let's live out the incarnation. Let's be real people who say, you know, a person is a body. It's at the heart of the last supper, when he says, this is my body, you know, if you think about it the way we're talking about it, big deal. That's just the stuff you're trapped by, if you're, if, you know. But from his standpoint and from the church's standpoint, when he says, this is my body, he says, this is my person. Yeah. This is the entirety of my being, my body, my blood, my soul, and in his case, my divinity, all together. So this this is my body is not like a a way of— well, this is my body as opposed to my soul, or this is my body as opposed opposed to my... He's saying, it's all of me. Well, that's what the church has passed down for 2,000 years, so it's our task to stand in that truth as an apostolic uh, people, people, domestic church, as an apostolic family, is to stand in that truth and then confront that as it becomes manifest in whatever... We're going through at this point in time right. because transgen, tr- the whole transgender thing. I-, I promise you, I would have bet a bazillion dollars 25 years ago. If somebody said this is where we'd be, I would say, There's no way. How the heck does that happen? How does it happen that we have 56 genders? You know, uh, there's two. You know, how does that happen? It makes no sense. But it's in psychological books. I mean, it's maybe not 56, but it's, it's anything beyond two, I guess is probably problematic. (laughs) But my point is, is that to be apostolic means we stand on the truth. We recognize the history of what's going on. We can see even the lies from the past because we're standing again in the truth. And then we can recognize that there's, I mean, the devil's not creative. I mean, he can't even create new lies. All he can do is take old lies, which are always shots at the truth, you know, shots. The body's really nothing. The body's something we need to get rid of. So when Jesus says this is my body, he means nothing. That's that's what the devil's saying. Um, we as Catholics have to fight against that and say that our bodies are we as bodies make us human. That's what it means to be human. And only because of sin death comes into it and death is actually the separation of the two things that are meant to be for together forever. And they eventually will be unified at that point. But anyway, so to be apostolic does mean that. And that's really that that's really important and I don't I, I don't really want to spend a whole lot more time on it because I think there's another side of apostolic that that and I think even in the creed people may not hear this to be to be apostolic means to be sent. It's it, the the word apostle means to be sent you know at the end of the the mass i point you know at the end of the mass est it, it, it is sent what is sent the body of christ is sent out into the world you know the, the, the last you know go what is this? what what is, i'm not a deacon but i mean usually at the end of the mass it's you know go and live the gospel or preach the gospel with your lives or something like that it means go out into this world and and that's a sense that I think, unfortunately, Catholics have have tended to lose. We stand on the fact that we have apostolic succession, and we should. That's <laughs> not. This is. I'm not diminishing that. That we should stand and recognize that we have the fullness of truth, and we even have, even the ability historically to look back and see the fullness of all the lies that have attacked it, and say, "Okay, that's really nothing new. We're just. A, it's just being." applied in a different thing today in 2017 but it's the same fundamental problem it, it 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 goes against this truth really important but the next thing is is we have to be a church that is m- mission directed we have to be a church that is going out which means that we as a family have to be a family that is going out mm. and is sent into this world to preach the gospel, to carry forward that, and that's I, I, you know, we can get comfortable in the in the in the oneness and the in holiness and one holy Catholic in all of that. We can get comfortable sitting in that and kind of just be our you know be ourselves. It's this last one that says, okay, with all that, we're met, you know. The, the, there's a there's a definition for holiness that that I hear thrown around a lot it 's true you know to be set apart all right well, he alone who's holy is God is totally other, totally apart. I think a lot of people choose to say holiness to be set apart means that we need to set ourselves apart in fact, I think that 's what the Pharisees would say we We need to set ourselves apart we don 't need to be in and among the sinners because we 're holy right. Well, if you look at the who, the one who alone is holy and is completely other, and there is really nothing we're not anything like him, other than what he other what he shares of himself with us, came and entered into us. His complete otherness came and became one of us, and walked among us, and lived, and did not avoid everything that we. So he might was be apostolic, friends. is what you're he saying. Was aposto- he was apostolic. He was. God sent his only yeah. son. The Father sent the, <laughs> the son. Father sent the Son. To be sent is to be an apostle. Yeah. He is that. He he is if there's anything apostolic, it's 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 seeing what God did. So if we are completely other, if we're one as God is one, if we're holy as in terms of like God is holy, and if we're Catholic, meaning we're meant for everyone, the natural fourth step is to be apostolic. Yeah. Sometimes I think it's much more comfortable to stand in the first three, <laughs> to stand in the unity of this. You know, I like being around the people who believe what I believe and who think the way I think, you know, to be holy. You know, I like being at church and being in God's presence and that, that you know, I like knowing that we have the fullness of of the means of salvation, the fullness of, of the presence of Jesus in this world and through the sacraments. That all makes me feel comfortable, (laughs) but apostolic means go. I mean, it's the great commission. It's the last thing Jesus says. So not unlike, he says, as the father sent me, so I send you. Yeah. So I make you apostles. Yeah. So a family as a church and a church, a Catholic church, I think that's what Pope Francis has been, you know, know, shepherds, pastors, but I think it goes for, we're shepherds as parents. It goes for us as well, you know, need to have the smell of the sheep, (laughs) you know, meaning it's real easy to kind of say, I need to stand off. I need to be set apart and to stand in that definition of holiness. Mm -hmm. But the holiness who is God has given us the example of, I send you now, and we have to, in multiple ways, as a family, say we're sending, but we also have to recognize that we are forming our children as parents, and this is an important point. Our job is to send them into the world. Our job is to prepare them and lay the groundwork. Jesus did it in three years with his apostles and with the help of the Holy Spirit, Yeah, but, but with us, we have our 18 years, if we're lucky, um, or so with our kids. To send, you know, I've just like I said, this graduation is nice. I mean, now I can I mean I'm saying you're you're being sent into the world. You have something. And I can look at him and say that while I'm sure we've been remiss in some ways, that in general, I've given you everything you need to know to, to be faithful, to be successful, to do well in whatever endeavor you're sent into, into whatever situation you're sent into. Right. So you're apostles. So we as a family are meant to be sent, but we are also meant to prepare our children with the idea that you're going to be sent from this. Not not unlike what they say at the mass, you go out. We've talked about that. We haven't talked about this in a long time. But the the Ezos when they talk, they, they talk about, okay, kind of a hierarchy of what's important. And that when we – well, first off, we're Christian. You know? We're Christian. There's a way. Second, your last name is more important than your first name. So when you go out into the world, you're representing the Cassians. Yep. You got more than just your your name that you're representing in this world. Yeah. So you're representing Jesus, and you're representing us. You have a high calling. <laughs> Whatever it is that you go into, you have a high calling. But you're being sent with those two banners. Your 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 name is is third on that list. Your name is merely a way of putting you in context of all that. But I think we sometimes get it upside down. Sure, and we'll and we'll say it's all about you. No, it's it, you have a job to represent Christians. You have a job to represent Kashans, in my case, or Romansky's in yours. We use those terms with our kids. I mean, we we say you're representing us. Mm-hmm. So. It's important how you behave. It's important how you interact with people. It's important what you say and do. Not just to make us look good, but that other people might see Jesus through you. That they might see me, your father, through you. That's what being sent is to bring something out there. So I don't know if that is what you were thinking, but that but, yeah. but how does that how does that how that plays itself out? Um I mean, I've got it here. So the the chief task, it says, you know, to be a sin is we have to receive God's truth and grace. That's kind of his holiness, his revelation. And then we have to go out into the world and do the best that we can to accomplish three objectives that the church fathers of Vatican II have given to the laity. All right. Really to all. There, there's one that's specific to the laity. The other ones, I think, are just Christian charges. But these three are the things that I think I want to focus on um, today as things we need to focus. These are the general head- headings that play themselves out differently in and through family life. So the first one, which shouldn't be surprised, surprising, is evangelization and sanctification. That's what, the, that's what they said. That's the first task. That should not be surprising. So how do we – we should teach our children, and we should ourselves say we are meant to be evangelical. What does that mean? Well, I mean, the word in there, EV and then A-N-G-L, speaks about a message. We have a message that needs to leave and go out. The good news. The good news. The good tidings. That's something that we need to bring out into this world. Well, so how do you do that? Well, first off, I mean, I th- I think that it's important for us all to remember that we have to live it before we preach it. In other words, it's the living it out that I think points people towards the joy that it means to be Christian. It doesn't mean everything's going to go right. It doesn't mean that what we experience, again, we talked about the fact that we need to be families that recognize suffering as part of being a human <laughs> in a fallen world, but that Christ gave meaning to suffering through what he accomplished on that conference. That's part of the apostolic, the thing we stand on, but that happens in real life. So evangelization is we have to stand at St. Paul. I mean, St. Peter, who we read this next coming Sunday, will say, be prepared, you know, be ready to give a defense for the joy of, that you have be, be an apologist, um, that is so important. But how do they know? Why do they? Ask, I mean, it, it actually presupposes the way he says that. Be prepared to give a defense. Somebody's going to ask you or challenge you. Why the heck do you see things this way? Why? Do, well, how do they know that from watching you through circumstances, living those things out? Yeah, and and I think that that's important to remember. To be apostolic, we stand in it. Are we people that are body, blood, soul, divinity composites? Not, I mean, body, blood, soul, human composites that say it's important what we do with our body. It's important what we say that, that that has an impact. We don't stand aloof or say we need to get rid of what we have. Do we stand on that? Our lives have to be that. I mean, all I can say is, is that I know, and this is funny how God and I, I think we've when we had the triplets and we brought them home, you know, even that first six months, we had six kids, six and under, <laughs> with, with, with three that were under a year old, all right? We had, there actually was a period of time where we had six car seats in the car. Wow. Okay, so, so and, and we couldn't have made it without, without the Sounds help. like a TV show, six oh, under six. Yeah. Right, exactly. Six feet under six, <laughs> six under six. Wow. Well that's what, that would be that would be kind of what but but I think you know what you say is most people look at that and say, Wow, that's awful. You know, I actually had a guy that I work with that I mean he actually said when we found out we're having triplets, that's like getting cancer. I mean <laughs> all, it's all, I mean awful. I mean that people say that. And so guess what? The experience that you live with, hey, there was no way of getting around it was difficult. Okay. Sure. I mean, sure. it would have been a lie for Stephanie and I just, oh, this is a breeze. You know, you know everything, we've, everything is just working wonderfully, mm-hmm. you know. That's not the way you spread the gospel. I, the way that as I look back, because I remember distinctly as there were these, particularly these young ladies, all from St. Mary's, most of them from St. Mary's, who came out and did. I remember being w- really concerned that we ruined any chance that they would ever want to have kids again. I mean, I I really looked at Steph and said they may never well, ever want to have kids again. But I mean, not want to ever have kids at all because right. of how hard it looked. Right, right. As I look back, so that's the way God. You don't know. I did. We prayed. I mean, we prayed. We lived the life. We went forward through it. But they saw the struggles. They saw arguments. They saw exhaustion. They saw all of that. And by God's grace, it it amazes me, every one of those people got married and had kids early. Right. You know, every one of those people, many of those people had at least as many or on track to have at least as many as the six that we had. Right. Always under the threat of triplets. You know, I mean, (laughs) and I can't explain that other than we tend to think that this is the way you make it attractive. This is the way, and this is the way you scare people away. And I, I think what I've learned, not because I knew it in the moment, but because I've looked back at it, is that really, because I do think we tried to remain faithful, we tried to, to show that, but we weren't preaching the gospel, you know? It still was, hey, could you get that diaper? Because I got this one, you know what I mean? That's, <laughs> okay, why don't, babysitter, why don't you get one? I'll get one, and then Steph will get the other, and you know, we can do it in, 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 in minutes, you know, as opposed to 10 or 15 minutes to change diaper and kind yeah. of keep one eye on you those know, other that's three. Your, right. And about <laughs> it. Yeah. Don't hey stick them over in a, in yeah, a corner really do not move. <laughs> right. But, but I guess what I'm saying is, is I look back part of the evangelization and I think it's a, it's, it is a, it is a line that I think is also frequently misused and I, and it's, it's typically attributed to, St. Francis, I think it's accurate. I think it's
1: apocryphal. I've heard people say it's not even anything he ever said. I don't I don't know, but yeah, I, but, but I, think, I know but, what line you're. But I, yeah,
0: you know you know preach, uh, preach always use words when yeah, necessary. I preach the gospel every
1: day with words if necessary. And I don't right? think there's
0: anything wrong with that as long as we understand it for what it means. Okay, it doesn't mean try not to use words, <laughs> which is I think sometimes I've heard people use that. And I think what they intend is to say we should not have to ever talk about yeah. about that. Don't ever proselytize. Don't ever proselytize. I, I mean, I you know don't ever preach it. Yeah, that's not what I've ever taken that. I, I've taken it to mean you cannot talk all the time. Yeah. You, you, in fact, most of the time you're living your life. So preach it, and then when necessary, when yeah. you've been given that, when challenged, as Saint Peter says. We should expect, to be prepared to provide a defense for the joy that is within you. That's when it happens. So I don't ever remember talking to these people about. Jesus or redemptive suffering or all the things that were going on in 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 my spiritual life and in Stephanie's spiritual life with regard to what was actually happening. Yeah. I think most of what they saw was, you know, we said prayers before bed, we said prayers, you know, we got when we went to when we went to dinner, we did that and they were with us. We just lived the life. Well, that's what evangelization I think must always begin with, but we have to be prepared to provide a defense. So evangelization, yeah. I think, is something that we as a family do by the way we live our lives and other people can see in just the data. How do we live our lives? Are we people of sacrifice? Are we people who, are, who attempt to be kind, who attempt to be generous, you know, and who, when they fail at doing those things, are quick to ask for forgiveness and are quick to grant forgiveness? Are we people of grace, giving people more than enough chances <laughs> Are 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 the, are those what people see in us? If we're living the gospel, that's that's it. You're evangelizing by that. People, you're going to run into them at, For us, it was little league, you know, little games or whatever. That's where you evangelize. Yeah, you're just there. You know, yeah. I don't. For some people, it might be a, you know an orchestra concert or it might be a speech debate. I don't. Or it might just be just up at the parish doing what, what you do Right. but wherever that is recognize that that's where you're meant to be and just meant to live it out and we're not perfect that's not that's not the the good, in fact the good news is not <laughs> we're perfect the good news is we're sinners and while we were yet sinners Christ died for us yeah. you know so evangelization sanctification, sanctification is the other thing to make holy we're meant to make holy. So how do we do that? We have to unite what we do with the one who is holy, right? What is an offering? And that's what the daily. That's what the morning offering is. I offer you today. It's some version of this. You know, I offer you today all that I think, do, and say, and unite it with what was done on the cross by Christ, your Son, or. I offer you to this this day every joy, every sorrow, every success, every failure, all of my gifts, my talents, all that I have, and unite it with Jesus and his perfect sacrifice on the cross, represented in every mass. I give it all to you in union with that in reparation for my sins and the sins of the whole world. I mean, something along those lines. We sanctify it. There's a great line, and I was trying to find it, and I haven't found it. I think it's in Lumen Gentium. I think it's in... In the fourth chapter, chapter of Lumen Gentium, on the, la- on the laity, on the universal call to holiness, and, he, and they talk about, they make a list, you know, every work, every job, every, and it goes down this list, every struggle, every pain, every sickness, you know, if born patiently, can be offered to God, can be offered to God as an acceptable sacrifice. We are meant to sanctify the world by taking everything that we encounter, all the people that we encounter, and bring that all—all the gifts that we have, all of our failures, everything that we do, everything we run across, everything that we see on the news—bring it all to the altar. Yeah, bring everything and say, "I give it all to you. Everything I've experienced, every person I've, every time I've failed you, I give it all to you without reservation. Make it holy." I'm not making it holy, but I'm giving it to you as, one of, as your body, as, a, as one of your members. That's what that is. So we're evangelizing by going out and living the life. But when we come back, we're going to take all that we experience, all that we have, our failures, or successes, and when we go to Mass, we're going to offer all of it in union with Christ. We're going to place it all in the paten. We're going to place it all in the chalice. And we're gonna say, I give it all to you, because you can make it holy, even if I can't. Right. That's what it is. We're we're we we're, we're going out, we're experiencing, we're coming back, we're receiving God's grace, grace, and his truth, and through the liturgy at the the consecration and prior to at the at the offering, we're giving everything we experienced that week out. It's kind of like, you know, it's this great. It's not this great circle of life, Disney, but it's this, it's this great just kind of rhythm that happens. We go out into the world. We experience life. We're always thinking of God. We bring it all back. We offer it back to him. He accepts it. Jesus makes it acceptable to God through his perfect sacrifice on the cross. He gives himself back to us to give us strength so that we can go back out into this world and do it. And that's what we do. We're, we're constantly going and then coming back to give and to receive and going and coming back to give and receive. That's what it means to evangelize and Mm -hmm. to sanctify. How can you be bored (laughs) if you have that perspective, if you have a Catholic perspective, if you have an apostolic perspective, there is nothing that we run into that can't have meaning in that, in that line in, in Lumen Gentium, I remember, it. Even, even their leisure can be offered acceptably to God. E, that's the like, even their leisure can be offered, hmm. meaning there's nothing that can't be. Guess what? <laughs> we can go through life and say, you know, I'm going to offer this or I'm going to offer that, or I'm not going to offer anything. I don't think about it. What does offer mean? I have to bring it, will it, and say, I give it to you. There's a part of it that's ours to do, not because God can't do it, but because that's the plan that he gave us. That's the plan he wants. So we have to be active. We can't say, well, you know, my, my vacation, I don't really need God's help. I don't. Offer it to him. All right, well, this problem at work, I can handle that. Offer it to him. Don't exclude him from anything. These are the things, these are the sin things that they are happening over and over. You know, let me work on those, Lord, and I'll give them to you once i figure it out. No, no, give it, give it to him, give it all to him, and then let him work his wonders in yeah. you. That's what evangelization and sanctification is, but it requires that we not stay in our nice little bubble at home. It requires that we actually interact with people who we may or may not like, who we may or may not agree with, but we have to go out, and then we have to come back, bring it back to the Mass, and then receive what we need go back out i mean it's a great is there a
1: is there a parallel there in the uh, significance of having a family meal together a regular family meal kind of uh you know you come together as a family absolutely. the children get fed physically but they get fed spiritually and intellectually, and intellectually by the by the, the parents Excellent. And they have a chance to reflect on that, and then they go out. They bring that back out into the world. Come back, talk well, so, to the know, parents about what yeah, their Stephanie, day has been like. Yeah,
0: that's. I mean, Stephanie, the meal or the gospel meeting is Stephanie. Yeah, you know, get on the same page, people. Yeah, <laughs> that's gospel for, for Stephanie. I think it it actually mirrors exactly in a mysterious way, in a as a visible sign what the church is meant to do. We come together. What's what's going on? We bring everything to the table, so to speak, and then we marching orders, strengthened, right. encouraged, challenged, whatever, and then we go out. Yeah, and then we go back. Like there, that.
1: there needs to, and there needs to be that aspect of of the uh, the parents preaching Absolutely. to the kids at at the dinner table about one topic and another.
0: It's the same. So I mean. Find again, as we've talked, find things that they're in, so I was just talking before this and i'm not again i'm not recommending the show I haven't watched it, but i've i allowed my older kids to watch to watch it. thirteen reasons why it's the hot how do you evangelize your kids It's something that they're like it's really well done it's very dark, and they and they know it they're talking to me about it, so I found an article by Christopher West on the theology of the body inside of, inside of that. And he talks about those people. So all I did was is say, hey, y'all know Christopher West pretty cool. Know y'all like this show. What do you think about what he says? You know, Th- that, it can be that simple. Yeah. It, what happens, I have to listen to them and I to say, oh, you shouldn't be watching that. That's a bad thing to watch. You're a bad person for watching and everybody watches it is going to hell. You know, you break down any chance of being able to reach them at that point. You have to engage them in what, what they're finding and what's going on with their own kids. And if you can find something, and nowadays the beauty of, you know, and the curse of the internet and other things is get on good things. And when they, when they send out something you say, wow, this is something, forwarded it to all of them. I mean, the first response was, dang, exclamation point. Did you read that? Question mark. I said, hey, we need to check out the video he did that's on it. There's a video, question mark, when can we watch? That's a 16-year-old, all right? We're going to talk about real stuff at that point, not just real stuff in terms of like a show that they want, but actually real issues. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of 16-year-olds, I mean, if you if I approach the same problem in a confrontational way, if I approach the same problem, so we've got to be looking at that. So how does that happen? we got to welcome them in. We've got to draw them in. Not 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 like in a <laughs> I'm sneaky getting no, this no, this, no. This, but, but recognizing them for who they are I, now at least with one of them I've got a I, I've got an opening. He wants to talk about it. And so we can talk about this human sexuality issues there, suicide. There's all kinds of issues with that. Again, not recommending the show <laughs> for though, but if you did do if you do, do it or if you know any kids that are watching it. I'd recommend going to find Christopher West and then maybe read it and then share it with them and see what they say instead of saying, "Hey, you listen, do you see what he says here? No, what do you think about it? You know anyway, so evangelization sanctification number two I know we we're, we're getting late is renewal of the temporal order, which is the as the church says is the distinctive task of the lay faithful now renewal of the temporal order means the stuff that's the day to day the autonomous the, uh, the autonomous stuff that's just part of the secular world it's yeah. part of time yeah. it's not it's doesn't belong it doesn't belong in the church per se you know how do you how do you run a business right. you know how do you make a widget you right. know how do you how do you become more efficient in this that's not a that's not necessarily a it can be offered right as a as that but it's not it's something that we go into the temporal the land of time.
1: <laughs> That's all secular means, yeah. I believe. It's Se- just yeah, of secular. this time. Of or... this
0: time. It's, it's, it's renewing it. You know, the, the Romans 12, to, you know, renew your mind. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind.
1: Be in the world, but not of it. Right.
0: Be in the world, not of it. Be somebody who's looking and who's called. We're called to be excellent. As Catholics, we should be the best at what we do. We, we really should. This is a family. What is a parent? I always told him, you're a cash-in. You're supposed to be good at whatever it is that you do. Right. Or at least you're supposed to be the one who puts forth the effort, who attempts to do all that they can do. You may not be the best because there's other people who are more talented, but you should be known for being one who works hard. Why? Because we work for Jesus. We don't work for the same thing that other people do. All right? We work for him. We work for the Father. And so renewal of the temporal order is if we see something and figure out how how's a better way to do this, because we recognize our dignity, we recognize the dignity of others, we can go out and renew the temporal mm-hmm. order. And yeah. I think
1: that also is part of um, having an ethical sense. Absolutely. So we're gonna absolutely we're gonna look for better ways to do things. We're gonna be a part of of innovation and. material progress but we're not going to do that at any cost we're going to be people of of ethical uh and if the status
0: quo is not okay (laughs) then we challenge the status quo uh we 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 don't accept or cower because of what somebody else has imposed because we might lose our job or lose whatever we we do everything we can to say we need to renew the order. So if we see something that's inju- unjust, then we should be willing to challenge it. That's part of renewing it because we're confronting. What does it mean to renew? Renew means there was a time when it was meant what it was right, and now we've got to go to renew it, which means what? We need to point out here are some things that need to be changed and provide here are some ways that we can change it and be part of not only the, the – uh, Challenge of it, not only the conviction, but also the renewal. Right. And so we should be people who people recognize this. Hey, they'll challenge. They're not going to give you the answer you want just because you want it. But they're also not just going to challenge you and leave it there. They're going to say, "Here's a better way that we might ought to do this." That's what it means to renew the temporal order. I mean, we we are meant to bring God's light to this world. Um. And then, you know, I think the last one, so the first one's, we're lumping evangelization and sanctification of the world in that one. The second one is renewal of the temporal order, which is the distinctive test because that, that's where it happens. It happens, that happens in work, that happens at school, that happens in the on the playground, it happens on the golf course. I mean, all those things are just things that happen in time, part of just what the day-to-day offers, Right we make that distinction meaning that, that we're meant to renew it not to say it's somehow separate because if we go back to evangelization and sanctification we should bring all that back to god in and through the liturgy right i mean we should be bringing that back so it's separate in in right. that everybody participates equally and there's and we can bring something to it we should be the best scientists. We should be the best bankers, the best professors, the best whatever at what we do, the best that we can, because we're working for God. So, those two things, and then the last one is really two together, which, which is charitable works and social aid. We are this last one. I think of Matthew twenty-five: "When you were hungry, you fed me; when 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 I was hungry, you fed me; when I was thirsty, you gave me to drink." You know. We are meant to be people who see in the poor, who see in the sick, who see in that, who have the eyes of faith to recognize that Jesus is there. That we take seriously Matthew twenty-five and that last judgment, and that we do it. And as Pope Francis, I think is, I think he's talking about all these things, but he's really pointing to charitable works and social aid as being something that we should not leave the poor alone. We should not just just dismiss them or avoid them that we are in fact meant to reach out to them. And in, and that's what the church says. It's, it's actually one of the three things that we should be doing or three areas. We should be evangelists and sanctifiers. Those, that's clumped as one. We should be people who go into whatever area of endeavor we are and become great at it and recognize that we're meant to bring the truth to it. In, in our work, but then we should, again, almost like in an apostolic way, go out to those who don't have all that we have, corporate you know, who don't have food, who don't have the means to pay their bills, who don't have whatever, charitable works, the poorest of the poor, right? I think if you break that down as a, as a as a family and say, I mean, what can we be doing to evangelizing and sanctifying the world? I mean, what what do we do? What are our gifts? What are our talents? Who are the people we meet? What do I do for my for my living? Am I seeing things that are unjust? Am I willing to go and and confront those? Renew the temporal order. The and, 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 and am I reaching out to other people, people who are in need of our help, materially and even spiritually too? Charitable works could would include. Challenging somebody who needs to be challenged on what they believe, or it could be encouraging somebody who's feeling down. Those are all things that we should do. But as a family, we should say, "Who are we reaching out to?" Who's- this,
1: this might be a question that we have to take up next time. But charitable works and social aid—is that something that should really properly begin closest to home?
0: I, I personally believe that's how you—that's how it typically is. If you look at the at the not the prodigal son, but the. Samar- the good Samaritan, it, it, proximity is what usually determines who God wants you to be. Pro- being being close to somebody, yeah. so typically, if you run across somebody who's in need that you become aware of and you have a means to help them, that's who God's asking you to help. Yeah, you know, it's really comfortable to write a check to somebody in, yeah, you know, Egypt or whatever. I'm not right. saying that's bad. Right. I'm just saying, typically, it's meant to be proximity. Yeah. I think so. Anyway, I know we're drawn to the end here that was a quick one we can take it up but be one holy catholic and apostolic go out and, uh, and live the gospel and let people see it and be ready to give a defense so uh, keep us in your prayers we'll be praying for you pray parent with purpose and prepare for God to amaze you goodbye Thank you for listening to this local production of Red Sea Catholic Radio. Tune in next week at the same time to hear Trey and Stephanie Cashin share more on the mystery of parenthood.